We're not talking about baby broke bat butts. We're talking about big butts in our lives. And we all have big butts. Every one of us has big butts. Some butts, some of our butts are bigger than others. Some, restri- some of our butts restrict us more than others. Some of us have very unhealthy butts. Some people even talk out of their butts. However, all of our butts are bigger than they ought to be. And the problem with butts, or big butts, is that they stop us moving forward. And one of the biggest problems with big butts, and even small butts, is that while we have a world to enjoy and explore, our big old fat butt just wants to sit on the couch and remain there until we have to move. The longer we sit on the couch, the bigger our butts become. And the bigger our butts become, the tougher it is to get past these big old butts. How many of you have ever heard of a man called Ronald Wayne? Whoa, none of you. How many of you have ever heard of Steve Jobs? Fellow Apple lovers. Who's heard of Apple computers? All of you, I hope. Unless you've been under a rock for the last, like, 20 years. Well, listen to this. Ronald Wayne, he was the co-founder of Apple Computers. He co-founded it with a guy called Steve Jobs and a guy called Steve Wozniak. But soon he gave up his share of the company for a measly $2,300. He worked with Steve Jobs at a company called Atari. How many of you remember Atari? Yeah, they were sweet, I'm telling you. Atari, Pong, woohoo. And he worked with Steve Jobs at Atari before he, Steve Jobs, and Steve Wozniak founded Apple Computers on April 1st, 1976. Serving as the venture's adult supervision, Wayne drew the first Apple logo. He wrote up the men's uh, original partnership agreement, and he also wrote the manual to the first ever Apple computer, which was called Apple One. Ronald Wayne received a 10% stake in Apple, but he relinquished his stock for $800 less than two weeks later, and on, uh, and on, uh, on April 12, uh, 1976. Legally, all the members of a partnership are personally responsible for any debt incurred by any partner. And unlike Jobs or Wozniak, who were 21 and 25 respectively, Wayne had personal assets that potential creditors could seize. A failure of a slot machine company he started five years earlier also contributed to his decision to exit in the partnership. Later that year, Apple converted the partnership into a corporation. Ronald Wayne received another check. Woohoo, he got his windfall. He received $1,500 for his agreement to forfeit any claims against the new company. And in its first year of operations, which was 1976, Apple's sales reached $174,000. In 1977, sales rose to $2.7 million. In 1978, just two years later, it rose to $7.8 million. In 1980, whoa, I'm born by this time, yay. And uh, annual sales rose to $117 million. By 1982, Apple had over a billion dollars in annual sales. Ronald Wayne claimed that he did not regret selling the stock. Yeah, right. He said he made the best decision with the information available to him at the time. 
Ronald Wayne also stated that he felt that the Apple enterprise would be successful. But at the same time, there would be bumps along the way and he just could not risk it. He said, I had already had a rather unfortunate business experience before. I was getting too old and these two, Steve Jobs and Wozniak, were just two whirlwinds. It was like holding a tiger by the tail and I couldn't keep up with these guys. Ronald Wayne, to this day, has never owned an Apple computer. What's more, he went on to own a stamp collector's store in Arizona. This was a man who gave up a fortune because he didn't want to take a risk. Think, looking back, he's probably in a stamp collector's store now, and every time he sees an Apple commercial, every time he, you know, sees someone walk into his store with, earphones on and an iPod, I bet it's just like making him go sick and like crazy. I'm like, I'd be like, get out my store, get out my store. But this man, he gave up because a big old butt got in the way. And the butt was a prior experience and the fact that he could lose something in this venture. And in the end, he could have been a multi, multi-million billionaire to this day. But instead, he received $2,300 because of a big old fat butt. Now, I recently heard uh, somebody who had had a conversation with uh, the pastor of the largest church in the world. This pastor, his name is David Yongi Cho. And he's got a church, uh, I think at its height, it had like 750,000 people in the church. I'm like, I'm thinking, how many school gyms could we, you know, have to do that fit 750,000 people in a church? But he asked this question, this man I was listening to, he asked the question to David Yonghe Cho, he said, what's the secret? What's the secret to your huge church? What's the secret to lives being changed? He said this, he says, I pray and then I obey. I pray and then I obey. And for someone like David Yonghe Cho and someone like Steve Jobs, they do not let big butts get in the way of where they're going in life. They do not let the big butts just let them sit on the couch while this world just passes away. They go out and explore this world and find out all there is to offer. And the problem with big butts is that they don't want to obey. Big butts, they want to analyze. They want to question. They look at all the scenarios and they cause us to doubt. And eventually they cause us to remain on the couch with our big old fat butt getting just bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, today, I want us to get rid of our big fat butts. So some of you got bigger butts than others, and we're going to get rid of them today. And if there's, there's just one thing I want, to, I want to tell you today, one thing, and if you don't listen to anything else we say, just get this one thing. I believe that our biggest butts are blocking our view to our greatest miracles. I said again, our biggest butts are blocking our view to our greatest miracles in our life. I believe that miracles is not just something that happened in the Bible. Miracles was not just something that happened yesterday. Miracles was not just something that happened when Jesus walked the earth. I believe that miracles are for today. And I believe that God desires that miracles are working throughout his church. And within the people of the church. And I believe that God desires to work miracles in your life today. The very first church was created over 2,000 years ago. And as the church grew and expanded, it was just went to this crazy extreme of just 
thousands of people just coming into this brand new church. And there was one reason why they came into this church and to, to see what was going on. Because the Bible tells us that there were signs and wonders and miracles happening in this church. And as these signs and wonders and these miracles were happening, people were just flocking to this place and seeing what it was all about. And when they came, suddenly their lives got changed. And I believe that God is wanting the same for us today. I believe that God is wanting us as a church, here at Generation Church, and individually to to see signs and wonders and miracles happening amongst us. I believe that God wants to see the blind see. I believe that God wants to see the lame walk. I believe that He wants to see the deaf hear. I believe He wants to see the oppressed set free. And I believe whatever the needs of the people of the church, God wants to meet those needs. And if it requires a miracle, then He's going to use and do a miracle. I believe that Jesus Christ desires signs and wonders as a normal part of His church. However, I think the only way that we can see these signs and wonders and these miracles happening amongst us is if we put our big butts aside and we start to see the path that God has created to our greatest miracles. So I ask you today, what's the miracle that you need in your life? For some of you, it may be God to heal a broken marriage. For some of you, it may be for God to heal an addiction that you've got. For some of you, it may be for God to supernaturally provide. Others, your miracle may be a physical healing. For others, it may be an emotional healing. For others, it may, your miracle may be for, to bring your kids back to God or your grandkids back to God. Whatever your miracle is today and whatever you need from God, I believe that your big butt is just wanting to get in the way and obstruct your path to your miracle or to what God wants to do in your life. And today I want to just give you two examples in the Bible of two big old fat butts that got in the way of people. One butt remained in the way and a whole nation died. Another butt got removed and one of the greatest miracles we've ever, we've ever, that has ever been recorded happened. Let's start with the, uh, the butt that, that remained. I call it Israel's big butt. If you've got your Bibles, if you want to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. And uh, in verse 25, it says this. It says, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We enter the land uh, you sent us to explore. And indeed, the land is bountiful. It is a land flown with milk and honey. There is the kind of fruit, it, and, it, and this is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful. And the towns are large and fortified. And even we saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalites live there in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. And then here's the big but. It says, but, 
The other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can go up against them, or we can't go up against them, for they are stronger than we are. They also spread this bad report amongst the land and amongst the Israelites. The land we travel through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. What had happened is the people of Israel, a whole nation, had been in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they had been under the tyranny of, of, of the ruler of Egypt, which, which was Pharaoh. They were slaves in the land of Egypt. And God spoke to a man called Moses and said, I want you to go and free my people from Egypt. And so there was, he went down, he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. And he didn't let them go. And then God sent all these plagues. And in the, in the course of a few weeks, God just started to do incredible things amongst the people of, of, of Israel. He started springing all these plagues upon the Egyptians. Eventually, Pharaoh says, you can go, go. And so they went, and they went under this promise that God was going to give them a land that was flowing with milk and honey. It was a land that God had promised Abraham, and a land that God had promised Isaac, and a land that God had promised Jacob. And they said, we're going to go, and we're going to take the land that God has given us. Next thing we know, they're standing in the Red Sea. The Egyptian army are following them, and God splits the Red Sea in two, and they walk through, and they see this incredible miracle. Then after that, we see that they're in the wilderness, they're in the desert, and they start getting hungry. And then suddenly, every day they wake up, and there is like thousands and thousands of these pieces of bread on the floor. They've come out of nowhere, called manna, and God has produced another miracle. Then these people start getting thirsty, and suddenly, God says, I'm going to give you water. And water starts gushing out of a rock in the middle of the desert. These people had seen miracle after miracle after miracle. And now they came to a point where they came face to face with the reality of that they were about to enter into the promises that God had given them. And so what do they do? Like any good, sensible person, they sent a scouting team to go and investigate the land. So they, they sent a scouting team of 10, of, 10, of 10 guys. And they went out, they looked at the land, they spent 40 days in this land. And they came back and they were like, yeah, this land is definitely flowing with milk and honey. I'll be honest. I'm like, what does milk and honey like, got to do with anything? I'm like, I'm thinking chocolate and like tea and Dr. Pepper and you know, you know what I mean? Anyway, but they said that this was definitely a land flowing with milk and honey. And two of the men, Caleb and Joshua, came back and said, yes, we can take this land. This is the land that God has promised us. Let's just go over the river and let's go and inhabit this land. But ten of the others came back and said, yes, it's definitely a wonderful place. And I'm sure God has promised it to us. But right now, right at this moment, I don't think that we can take it. Because they are powerful. They're strong. We're just a bunch of nomads. They've got cities. They've got walls. They've got, they got armor. They've got swords. They've got shields. Whatever else they had back there. They've got giants. They've got everything. And we are going to be totally overcome if we go in there. And what happened 
is their big butt got in the way. And they started seeing all these things around. And in the end, it was but, 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 but. And like we saw in the video, their butt got bigger than their why. And what happens in our lives is so often we can do the same. These men were so afraid of the possibility of what might happen, they'd lost sight of what God said would happen. They'd lost sight. They, they, had, they had become so afraid of what might happen, they'd lost sight of what God said would happen. And I believe that God is wanting His church, and that means you, and that means me, to start walking in, in miracles and signs and wonders and seeing things that others would just look at and say, wow, how did that happen? How did God provide? How did they, how did they cope? How did they survive? How did they get over that? How did they get over that sickness? How did they, they, they do all those things? And it's because God is wanting to work in miracles and people will look at us and think, wow, there is something incredible about those people. But yet, if we let our big butts get in the way, this is what will happen. The people decided not to go over the river into this promised land. They said, let's wait until another time. We're not at a place where we can do it at the moment. And what happened for the next 40 years... It wasn't the next year or six months, a year, five years. The next 40 years, these people walked around this wilderness in this big circle. And more and more and more, they got more negative. They got more angry at God. And in the end, a whole nation died in the wilderness because their big old fat butt got in the way. In the end, their kids came and took the land and... We see incredible stories of how God provided, how God overcame the enemies, how those walls that were up around those cities fell fell down without them even touching the wall. But yet their big butts had got in the way. And what happened is Israel's big butt decided to stay on the couch watching reruns of Glee. I'm like, Glee? Who even watches like new episodes of Glee? I'm like, I don't know. It's like watching reruns of Glee when there's a whole world like Disney World to go and explore. So they sat there on their their little couch in their wilderness looking out thinking, ah, if only, if only we could have done this. If only we could be in the land flowing with milk and honey, then we wouldn't have this nasty bread that comes every morning and water out of a rock. But their big butt got in the way and it stopped them. And in the end, it just destroyed their lives. The second big butt that I want to show you, I call it the disciples' big butt. And in John chapter 6, we see in an account, and this is what it says. It says, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus saw a huge crowd of the people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, one of his disciples, he asked, Where can we buy buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we work for months, we haven't had enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. 
There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered 5,000. So there was probably about 10, 12,000 with, with, with women and children. So then Jesus took the loaves, the five loaves. He gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the two fish. And they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When they saw him do this, and when they saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely this is the prophet we have been expecting. What happened here? is we see that one day Jesus is traveling, and because Jesus has been doing these incredible signs and wonders, thousands and thousands of people are just following him wherever he goes. And, you know, he's just gone for a quiet ride on his boat, and, you know, gone to the other side of the sea, but yet people have found out that's where he is. It's like kind of a paparazzi or something like that. Quick story. I was in, uh, I was in New York um, uh, with my family like two years ago, and suddenly we were outside this hotel, and... It was this huge crowd gathering outside this hotel. And, uh, and, and my wife, Raquel, being the, uh, uh, being the starstruck person that she is, she's like People Magazine, Us Weekly, all that sort of stuff. And uh, she just loves like, all the celebrity stuff. And so she's like, let's stay here, let's see who it is. It's got to be a celebrity coming out. And there was whispers that this celebrity was coming out. And my dad, he's just like very English and very just, you know, like, He's like, Alexander, I'm not waiting here, you know, see a silly celebrity, you know. And, well, we waited there for 30 minutes. And all I could hear my dad saying, it better not be Paris Hilton. It better not be Paris Hilton. Well, we're there, and next thing I know, I'm like, I've lost Raquel, and she's like the front of the, of, of, the, of the line. And she's laughing, she's like, oh, it better not be Paris Hilton either, because we heard whispers it might be. Next thing we know... Paris Hilton walks out like as slow as can be, and there's Raquel, and she's like, Paris, Paris, Paris. She's got a phone taking pictures and everything. And, but it's kind of like that. It's like everybody was just gathering around. Wherever he went, people were there. And I'm not comparing Jesus with Paris Hilton, so please don't go home and think I'm doing that. But, but it was like a celebrity thing where everybody was going around chasing him wherever he was at. And Jesus came up with this idea. He says, okay, it's late in the day. These people have been following me for hours, even days. They are hungry. They need to be fed. So Jesus said to his disciples, firstly to Philip, he said, Philip, he said, let's feed these people. In response, Philip's probably thinking, okay, I know you're the son of God. We've seen you do some pretty special stuff. But firstly, we do not have enough money to buy 10,000 boxes of Chick-fil-A. And let me, get, let me tell you, Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich meals. Not that nugget stuff. And secondly, Jesus, we don't have enough money. And it's kind of Sunday. And we all know Chick-fil-A is not open on Sunday. You know, these weren't just big butts. These were legitimate butts. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have time to go and get everything. They couldn't feed everybody. There was like 10, 12,000 people. How are these 12 disciples and Jesus going to feed all these people? 
There was no way it was going to happen. It was a legitimate but. And in jest, one of the disciples, he found a little boy and he's got his like half-eaten Chick-fil-A from yesterday. Knowing it's going to be Sunday, so he's going to save a little bit for the day. And they said, hey, what about this half-binning sandwich? But yet, it was at this moment that Jesus just chopped off that butt right away. Next thing we know, these disciples are watching one of the most amazing miracles that has ever happened. And these five loaves, they're probably like little rolls and two sardines, are being produced into free Chick-fil-A for all. Mmm, wonderful. And you know what? They even had leftovers. And what we see here, as soon as the disciples' butts were removed... The miracle happened. Jesus removed their big butt by getting them moving. He says, okay, this is what I want you to do. You don't believe me, but I want you to start, go and get those five loaves, go and get those two fish, and I want you to start getting, gathering some baskets, put them in a basket, take them around the people, and just get them to take out what they need. And what happened is these disciples, they had to get off their spiritual couch, and they got up and they started moving and doing things. And, and they just started to obey Jesus instead of questioning Jesus. And you know, it's good to evaluate. It's good to analyze things. It's good to take precautions. And it's good to plan. But don't let the big butts fool you. Sometimes your big butts come in the form of reason. They'll say, yeah, but what about this? What about that? I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough energy. I don't have, I have enough skills to do what you are wanting me to do. But they're just big butts. Our big butts try to rationalize. But yet I believe that God has created His church, you and me. And God wants His church to walk in Signs and wonders and miracles and see incredible things happen amongst us. And that's where we need to chop off our big butts. And we need to start moving. We need to get off our, off our couch and start moving and seeing the incredible world that God has created for us to explore and to enjoy. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 15 to 24. Jesus gives a parable. And it's a really hard parable to take. Because we've all been there. We've all done this. But listen to what he says. A man who was sitting at the table next to Jesus said this. He said, what a blessing it would be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, his servants, he told his servant to go and tell the guests, come to the banquet, it is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just brought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I brought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. I'm like, When having a wife excuses you from a banquet, depends on the wife, I suppose. 
The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge everyone, anyone you find to come, so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. They will not even get the smallest taste of my banquet. And I believe that God gives you opportunities. He gives you opportunities every day to speak for Him, to talk about Him, to live for Him, to worship Him, to have faith in Him and believe in Him. And so often our big butts come in the form of excuses. And we make excuse after excuse after excuse. And we say, God, I can't do this because of this and this and this. And what will happen eventually is God will stop with those opportunities. Those opportunities won't come round as much as they, will, they, 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 they can. I remember when I was, I was 16, in the, in the book of... Uh, uh, First Chronicles chapter 12, there's a whole list of, of spiritual gifts that God gives to people. And I remember my, uh, God had given me this one spiritual gift. And I didn't like it because it kind of brought showmanship to myself. And I didn't like it. I was a very shy kid. And every time I felt like God wanted me to use these, this gift, I would question and say, God, no. I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not doing this. And sometimes I couldn't help, I had to. In the end, I refused God long enough that there came a point where I stopped using that gift. And I stopped, felt the urge to use that gift. And then I came to the point where I'm like, well, let me try to use that gift. And the gift wasn't there anymore. And I couldn't use And to this day... There's this one spiritual gift that I knew that God gave me. And he used me in incredible ways that I have not been able to use anymore because I refused the gift because I kept making excuses. God, what if it wasn't you? What will people think? That was my excuse after excuse. And in the end, my big butts got in the way and the gift left. And I haven't been able to use that gift. And the reason is, is because I didn't trust God enough to believe that it was God. And so today, in your life, what big but is stopping you from seeing the greatest miracle that you could have in your life? What big but is stopping you from going into the path and the place that God has purposed for your life? What big but is stopping you from experiencing all that God has for you? Maybe it might be a but of faith saying, I'm not sure if I really believe God. I'm not sure if I really believe in God. Maybe it's a financial burden to say, ah, but God, I don't have enough money. Or it's a, it's a health what, uh, but saying, God, I'm not healthy enough to do this. Or it's a time but. I don't have enough time. Whatever the but. God is saying, I believe to each and every one of us, remove the buts and see the world that I have for you. Stop sitting on the couch and go and explore an incredible world that I have for you. An incredible life that I want to give to you. Don't let your butts get in the way. And some of you today, you may have been going through some serious butts-isms. 
or something. You may be going through some serious times where these big butts of doubt have got in your way. I remember when we planted this church, when we started on the journey, there were so many butts. I mean, it was like butt, 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 everywhere. And I struggled and struggled and struggled until I came to that point and said, God, okay, we're going to do this thing, but, but I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. And it's amazing the journey that God took us on. You know, and as we close today, one of our values here at Generation Church, since we started the church, was this. We are going to be faith pioneers. Safe and settling in isn't in our vocabulary. I'd read the stories of the Lewis and Clark expeditions and how they pioneered the West. They'd gone from the East and they'd gone and they'd, they'd gone into an unknown land and they'd pioneered the West. And I started reading these stories and, and I really felt the Lord just say, I want you to be like a faith pioneer. To go into a land that hasn't been discovered yet. That you don't know what's ahead of you. But I want you to go and trust me and follow me. And we did that. And that's why one of our values here is that we are going to be faith pioneers. And letting our big butts sit on the couch all day is not in our makeup. Sometimes we want it. Sometimes we want to say, God, I just want it nice and easy and cozy once in a while. But I know that it's not in our makeup. I believe and my desire is that we are going to be people who will pray and then will obey God. This is how our church got started right here. This is how we make decisions and this is how we move.